Welcome to this week's podcast from Free Chapel in Orange County. We hope you enjoy this message. For more information, check out our website at freechapel.org. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, I'll begin reading at verse 7. It says, but we have this treasure in earthen vessels, that the excellence of the power may be of God and not of us. We have in us, we possess this treasure in earthen vessels. And then it says in verse 8, notice that, that sounds really good, doesn't it? We have a treasure. And then Paul says, we are hard-pressed on every side, yet not crushed. We are perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Struck down, but not destroyed. Always caring about in the body the dying of the Lord Jesus, the Lord Jesus, and the life of Jesus also, that the life of Jesus also may be manifested in our body. I want to read verses 8 and 9 again. Paul says, we, understand that you, in these earthen vessels, we, ca- we carry a treasure. And he said, but yet we are hard-pressed on every side, but we're not crushed. We're perplexed, but we're not in despair. Persecution come, but we're not forsaken. We're struck down, but we're not destroyed. I want to talk to you just for a few moments. If you're taking notes or if you want to put a title down, I want just a quick, a short little title. And I want to call it Believers Bounce Back. Believers bounce back. Um, I have a, I have a something that I really enjoy, and 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 it's probably more of a male thing. Although I know there's some females that have a tendency to enjoy it also. Probably the next sport outside of football that I enjoy thoroughly is MMA fighting. Uh, see, I wouldn't, yeah. <laughs> and I like it better than just regular boxing. I like it because all of the, the blood, the black eyes, the knockouts, the broken bones, and what does this have to do with preaching in church? Why is he talking about that? Just stick with me. But I really enjoy MMA fighting, and I, I love it a lot, and, and um, really like to watch it. And, and yes, I'm one of those guys that do pay-per-views on certain fights, and I pay to watch it, and things of that sort. But, you know, growing up, you know, MMA probably of, of the latter years have become really popular on the scene. But when I was growing up as a child, it wasn't the MMA that was so um, uh, popular and spectacular. It was just old-fashioned boxing. You know, you remember some of the great boxers, Muhammad Ali and all those guys. But well, I guess the, the, the thing that I really enjoyed most and although it was a movie, and I'm sure I have a lot of other fans in here that could witness, but even though I love MMA amazingly, and it's, it's one of my top second behind football, and, and I enjoy it, but I, there's something that I will go to my grave always never forgetting and always enjoy and would watch it over and over and over and over again, and that's any of the Rocky Balboa series. Come on, does I have any Rocky fans in here? Come on. 
It's just one of those things that will never, never get old to me. And, and even though you know what's going to happen, and even though I could sit down and watch them over, I still get the goosebumps every time I watch. I still get tensed up watching it, and I still enjoy it. But, but thinking about Rocky, I, I want you to understand that, that, that probably the last one, I want to bring your mind, the last Rocky where um, Rocky is, 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 is training a guy. Do you remember uh, by the name of Tommy Gunn? Remember him? Rocky, matter of fact, after, after Rocky IV, he had retired. He suffered that major eye injury. And so now here's this young cat who comes on the scene, who's really enthused about becoming a great champ and a boxer who, who has gotten Rocky to train him. You know the story. The story says, or the movie says, that Rocky began to train this kid. He be, builds him up to be a great fighter and a champion. And, and, and then all of a sudden, the dude gets too big. Like we would say in the South, he gets too big for his britches. He gets a little puffed up and he gets a little prideful. And now he's to the point where at one time where humility caused him to come under Rocky to be teachable and to be coach. But now he feels that he's gotten so good that he can beat his coach. If you remember the movie, the Bible, not the Bible, the movie said that, <laughs> geez, not in the Bible, it's not in there. <laughs> The movie said that, that Tommy Gunn comes over to, to, to uh, Rocky's house one day and he's fired up and he's ticked off and, and, and he, want, he, he gets into it with Rocky and Rocky is, he's, he's old and he's, he's past the age and, and the movie shows the scene where he comes in and he goes off and, and he challenges Rocky. He said, I'll whip you, old man. Who do you think you are? And even, you know, even in his old age, there was still st something in the old Italian stallion that stirred up inside of him and, and pretty much he was like, now you're not going punk me is what he was saying if I can use my terminology and the story said they started fighting through the house and ended up out in the streets news reporters and everyone were all coming around waking up the whole neighborhood it's a mess the coach and 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 and, and the and the and, and the one who had trained is now fighting in the streets and then it shows the scene. I love how movies do it where, where Rocky takes a vicious right hand from Tommy Gunn. He's older now. He's slower now. He can't stand up to the strength and to the, to the, to the fighting and to the techniques of, of the young guy. And he takes one hard right. And the movie shows where he hits the gutter with a big thud and a big thump. And Rocky, his wife comes. His son comes there. They're there holding. They're crying. Rocky is dazed. And in that moment, the movie begins to do flashbacks in Rocky's mind. And it's almost like as the movie begins to put on main screen the thoughts that are going over his head. Looked like Rocky was down. Looked like Rocky was out. Looked like he had been defeated. And then he begins to have remember fights that he was previously, were previously in. He remembered the first fight that he began as, a, as the young Italian stallion who was fighting, who was full of energy and, and, and very vigor and stout in the ring. And he remembered the draw. And, and by mustering up that memory of that first fight, it's then he tried to shake himself to get up, but he couldn't. And then the movie shows the next, next thought that Rocky has. He goes to another fight where he was fighting and fighting and fighting where his opponent said that you're going to go down. And he looked at him and he says, I'm not going to go down. I'm going to win. And once again, Rocky, even in that fight, he's fighting, fighting. He comes, comes back to win that fight. But yet that's not enough to get him up out of that gully. He's still there. And then it flashes up when he fought Mr. T. 
Then it flashes up again where he had one of his biggest battles where he would go all the way over to Moscow and Russia and begin to train and fight a guy who was pretty much dominated and destroyed every single person he has ever fought, including his friend, Apollo Creed. And even when Rocky began to think about how he came back beaten to a bloody pulp and one of the worst fights he had ever been in, but how he came back in the end, how he began to hear the chants, even of the Russians on their terms and over on foreign soil, the, 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 the tables turn and they begin to hear Rocky, Rocky, Rocky. He began to hear the Russians cry out his name. But even in that, it was not enough to get the old boxer up. Out of the gully. But then something strange. If you notice it, there was a shift. The last memory he had, the screen flashed it. It wasn't of any of the previous fights. It was a flashback of his previous trainer, Mickey. Who when Rocky was down on the canvas, seemingly down and out. Where Mickey stood over and said, get up you bum, get up you bum. Get up, because Mickey loves you. It was then when in his mind, he remembered his old coach. His mind brought him back to the one who had trained him. His mind seemingly at that moment brought back the one who almost to life who had died. And his mind brought back to the one who looked over him and said, I love you. And it was in that moment, not any of the previous fights, but it was in that moment that he remembered the coach that trained him, the one who was dead but seemingly came back to life, and the one that stood over him who said, I love you, that then he mustered up the strength, stood back on his feet, called out Tommy Gunn and said, come back, we've got one more round. The point I want you to notice is notice that it wasn't the reminiscing of Rocky's previous fights. It wasn't the reminiscing of, of the previous necessarily battles that he'd gone through and even some of the greatest combats that at the seemingly the worst fight of his life in his old age where he was down in a gully. It wasn't the previous reference to the fights, but it was the reference in his mind to the one who trained him how to fight. To the one who stood over him and said, I love you. And the one through his memories who died but came back to life again. And my point to you is this. When he began to shift his focus on not the battles that he had gone through. But place his mind on the one, come on, who had looked over him in the worst state and condition that he could ever be in and says, I love you. I'm the one that previously died, but have came back alive in your remembering. Understand? Oh, you're not getting up. Let me just say it like this. Rocky was able to bounce back in seeming the worst state of his life because there was someone looking over top of him in his worst state saying, I died for you. I'm alive again. Come on. I know life has tried to count you out, but I love you. You can get back up again and get into the fight. And I want to talk to you this morning because we have a Jesus that's greater than a Mickey. That is constantly looking down from heaven above 
over his children. And not that life will always be easy and things will always be a cakewalk. But he looks down over us and constantly declares... I've died for you. I've shed my blood for you. I've paid the price for you. I love you. And no matter what life hands you, you will bounce back again because believers bounce back. I'm going somewhere. The, def- the, the dictionary defines a ba- uh, bounce back as to recover one's health, to recover one's good spirit. To recover one's confidence and to recover one's wealth. And watch this. Easily recover after a setback. The idea is that regardless of what type, here it is, of temporary circumstance or battle you go through or trial that you face or trauma that you experience. That as a believer, you are destined to bounce back. Bouncing back is part of the DNA of the believer. Come on, do I have any believers in here? What you have in this text right here is Paul's description of him bouncing back. In 2 Corinthians 4, notice what he said. He said, I was hard pressed on every side, but I wasn't crushed. I was perplexed, but I wasn't in despair. I was persecuted. But I wasn't forsaken. He said I was knocked down or struck down. But I wasn't knocked out. We must understand when you read these words from Paul. He is not, listen to me. He, he, what he's sharing with us. He's not just giving us a description of hardships. But what he's giving us is a testimony of confidence. And what he's saying, I don't care what you go through. I don't care what you face. I don't care what life may hand you. You may be in some of the hardest situations right now. But I'm here to declare that you can come back. You can bounce back. You can recover from some of the things that the enemy. I don't know who I'm preaching to this morning. And and I didn't preach this the last service. But I believe there's people in here where the enemy has tried to tell you that the situation is too big. That you've gone too far. And things are long gone. And you are beyond the point of return. But I came to declare to you this morning That believers bounce back. I don't care what has hit you. I don't care what has come upon you. Come on, you can bounce back and get back into what God has called you to be. We all face disappointments and setbacks. Life is full of things that try to push you down. Maybe you got bad news concerning your health. Maybe you've been laid off from your job. Maybe the business hasn't done what it's supposed to do. You started it and had great dreams and aspiration and what looked like something was going to take off and flourish. It seems like it's just demolished and began to dwindle down to nothing. You understand, you got to understand that when we face setbacks and we face these hardships, the enemy is so easy to be tempted just to settle. It's so easy to, to get in the mindset, well, I guess this is just the way it is. I'll just have to go with the flow. It's so easy to tempt, to be tempted to, to, to kind of just acquiesce and draw back and say, you know what? I guess this is the way it has to be. It seems like nothing is going to change. It seems like that, 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 that this is the way it's going to be. I've prayed and I've cried out to God, but seemingly nothing has changed. Lord, do you hear me? Can you hear me? What in the world is going on? But let me tell 
tell you something. You need to understand that we cannot settle in a temporary circumstance. Some of you, through your mindset and mentality, you are trying to make permanent what was only meant to be temporary. I'm here to declare to you this season that you're in is not a permanent season. This season that that you're in, you're not going to stay there. You may be down, but you're not out. You may be back, but you're not thrown away. I'm here to declare some to somebody this morning, this is not your permanent place. This is not where you're going to remain. This is not where you're going to stay. You're going to bounce back into everything that God has called you to do to accomplish and to receive. Give him a shout of praise and I'll move on. Believers can bounce back. Understand that in, the, in, our, in, our, in Paul's letters and writings, he tells us that over and over again that hardships and struggles that he faced. But what I need you to understand is this, even to believers... And I said, that's why I said believers bounce back. Because please don't be fooled to think that just because I'm a Christian that I don't go through anything. Proverbs 24, 16 says, for a righteous man falls down seven times, but he rises up again. Notice that the message puts it like this. Don't interfere with God, God's good people's lives. Don't try to get the best of them. No matter how many times you trip them up. God loyal people don't stay down long. Soon they're up on their feet. My God. Did you hear that? It said that God loyal people don't stay down long. Soon they're up on their feet. Can I just declare that right now? Soon you're coming up on your feet. God loyal people don't stay down. You keep being faithful to God. You keep trusting God. You keep believing in God. You keep your eyes focused on him. The Bible said God loyal people. You can't keep a blessed man down. You can't keep a blessed woman down. God loyal people will not stay down. Who I feel that. Paul tells us, he says in 2 Corinthians, he said it was tough at times. Listen to what he says in 2 Corinthians 1.8. He said we were burdened beyond measure above all of our strength. He said we despaired even to life. He says in 2 Corinthians 7, he says this, he said, he said our bodies had no rest. We were troubled on every side. He said, outside conflicts and inside fears. He said, things happening on the inside, things happening on the outside. Even the apostle Paul said, it got so tough at times. He says, I didn't think we were going to live. But then he gives us what I like to call his Terminator testimony. How many of you remember the movie? I'm on this movie thing today. Don't know why, but anyway, just roll with me. Remember the Terminator? Arnold Schwarzenegger. I mean, you remember the Terminator? The Terminator could live through anything. Blow him up, shoot him up, burn him up, hem him up, run over him, drop stuff on. Somehow, some way, that joker would still get up. He may only have one side of his face. He may be dragging a leg. If he got one arm, may be gone. But the testimony of the Terminator was always this. I'll 
be back. He didn't care what he went through. He didn't care what he faced. It's almost an arrogance there. He was saying, hit me with your best shot, devil. Throw everything you have at me. Because in reality, you can't kill what will not die. In this vessel, I have, come on, treasure. You can't kill what won't die. I had a, oh, you're not hearing me. The real terminator is Jesus. Because I have eternal life. Kill this body all you want to. But the Bible said that one day Jesus is going to descend from heaven with a shout and the voice of an archangel. And even if I die, I will rise again. Come on, give Jesus a shout of praise. Here's this Terminator testimony. Can I just read it to you? And labor's more abundant. But I bounce back in stripes above measure, but I bounce back in prisons often, but I bounce back face death all the time, but I bounce back. I received 39 strikes five times, but I bounce back. I was beaten three times with rods, but I bounce back. Three times I was shipwrecked, but I bounce back. A night and day I was in the deep ocean, but I bounce back. I had to deal with robbers. I had to deal with crazy folks. I had to deal with Gentiles. I was in the wilderness. I was lost in the city. I had false teachers. I was weary. I had sleepless nights. I was hungry and thirsty, put on force fast, but when it was all said and done, I bounced back. I came back when everything, when the odds were stacked against me, when my family walked out on me. Folks, I thought I could trust turned their back on me. Even then, I bounced back. Understand, as believers... We can't allow ourselves to become victimized by circumstances. I said we can't allow ourselves to become victimized by circumstances. We are not victims. We're victors. 1 Corinthians 5.15 says, Thanks be unto God who gives us the victory through Christ Jesus. 2 Corinthians 2.14 Thanks be unto God who always leads us in triumph through Jesus Christ. That doesn't sound like a victim to me. He said thanks be unto God who gives us the victory. Thanks be unto God who leads us in triumph. That doesn't sound like a victim to me. My identity in Christ is victory and triumph. Victory and triumph. Because See, 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 when you're a victim, you have a tendency. Here's what you do as a victim. You're an accuser and an excuser. You're always accusing everybody else of everything and what not they doing and this and that. Or you, or you take on that, 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 that spirit of excusing. You make an excuse why you can't do anything better in life. You accuse everybody else and when you get on that victim's mentality you accuse everybody else and you make excuses why you can't be better in life. But when you are a victor and you have a victor's mentality, you're not an 
accuser. You're not an excuser, but you are a chooser. You'll say, I choose. Come on. Is anybody hearing me? I choose life and life more, but I may can't listen. I can't help what life handed me. I can't help what mom did to me. I can't help what dad did to me. Listen, I didn't ask to be born in that situation. I didn't ask for the abuse that I experienced. I thought the marriage would last forever. I thought I was doing everything right. But you know what? I'm not going to sit here for the rest of my life playing a pity party with my head stuck in the ground, looking around crazy, pitiful. No, no, no. Because I understand as a believer, I'm going to bounce back. And so I choose joy. I choose to rejoice. I choose to stand up. I choose victory over defeat. I choose triumph over trial. Do I have any believers in here this morning? You are not a victim. I can't help what happened to me, but I can respond. Come on now. How I respond is what makes the difference. Paul paints and, and, and begins to listen to this, break down this text. He says this. He said, I was hard pressed on every side, but not crushed. He talks about pressure. It's pressure being pressed, being pressed and, and suppressed and seemingly oppressed. Press, life is full of pressures. Press, and he said, I was pressed on every side. Pressures in the home and pressures in the marriage and pressures on the job and pressure, pressure, the end. Pressure, pressure. He said, I was pressed, but I wasn't crushed. What you got to understand sometimes your pressing is actually a blessing. Because sometimes there, 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 there's potential down inside of you that would have never got released through you had some things not come on top of you. Oh, you're not hearing what I'm saying. You thought the pressure was going to kill you. Actually, the pressure began to bless you because you didn't know that that gift was in there until you got in trouble. You didn't know that that anointing would flow through you until you got in that situation where you knew it was going to take a miracle. There's some things that don't come out until you get under pressure. There's some things that are not released until you're stuck between a rock and a hard place. David didn't know how good he can sling that rock until he faced a big giant. Maybe your giant that you're facing is just a tool of God. Oh God to press you into his plan and purpose for your life. I want to tell you your pressing is a blessing. Despise not the pressing because what's about to come out of you is going to bless you and it's going to shock you. Perplexed but not in despair. To be at lost. To seemingly there's no way. When you're perplexed, what in the world? It's a curveball. It's a sucker punch. What happened? I don't know where I'm going. It seems like no way out. But I love it. It said, but not in despair. I'm perplexed Another definition said to be no way out. Watch this. Or to be at lost. I'm at lost and no way out. But then Paul says, but not in despair. The word despair means at utter loss. Oh, that blessed me. Because Paul said, 
It's not that I didn't suffer loss. He said, but what I didn't do was suffer utter loss. Let me read this to you. Maybe you'll get it. Let, 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 me, let me read this to you again. Watch this. The Bible said this. James 5.11. Indeed, we count them blessed who endure. You have heard of the perseverance of Job and seen, watch this, the end intended by the Lord, that the Lord is very compassionate and merciful. Job 42.10. The Lord restored, listen to this, Job's losses. When he prayed for his friend, indeed the Lord gave Job twice as much as he had before. Job faced loss, but it wasn't utter loss. He lost some things, but he didn't lose everything. I want to tell you, you may lose some things, but in Jesus' name, you're not going to lose everything. And notice... Notice, did you hear what the scripture said? God's intended end for Job. You missed that, didn't you? Because before Job ever had a loss, God already had an intended end to bless him double. Sometimes you're crying over what seemingly you lost now. But God wants to take you into something greater that you're going to get later. The reason why you can't step into more, you're still crying about what you lost right now. The reason why, oh God, I'm going to just go ahead and say this. The reason why some of you can't get the person that God, that God wants to send to you to be that husband and to be that wife is because you're still crying over Jimmy and Susie who wasn't yours to begin with. Come on. There's blessed additions and there's blessed subtraction. Quit crying over them that are lost and say, God, bring me in to what you have for me. You didn't like that, did you? Persecuted, but not forsaken. Struck down, but not destroyed. Struck down, but not destroyed. The steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord, and he delights in his path. Listen to these words. Though he fall, here's that word again, he shall not utterly be cast down. For the Lord upholds him with his hand. Did you hear that? Though he may fall, he shall not be utterly cast down. You're not going to stay there. Notice he said the Lord upholds him with his hand. As a believer, you can't forget that the Bible said no man can snatch him out of my hand. Even when I fall... No matter how low I fall, his hand is still on me. No matter how far I fall, his hand is still under me. You want scripture? The Bible says underneath me are his everlasting arms. His arms stay under me. And at my lowest point, I'm still at my highest point because I'm in his hand. 
Oh, my Lord. Can I tell you what the what the little minor prophet said? He screamed out. He said, oh, my enemies, rejoice not over me. Though I may fall, I shall rise again. Is there anybody in here that believe you can rise again? They got something. I got to hurry up and finish. Can I have my toy real quick? I got to hurry up and finish. They brought, I got a toy. I'm going to show you better than I can tell you. Reuben, that's almost taller than you. But anyway, (laughs) between you and Kirby, I don't know which one's the shortest, but here, you're about to wear me out this morning. How many remember these growing up? This right here, but you didn't know even as a child in your possession, you had an illustrated sermon of a believer bouncing back. All along, you thought it was a toy. All along, you thought it was a cool idea. All along, you thought it was a method of exercise. But what you don't understand, it's been preaching to you all this time. Because if I could give you, this is how it looks for the believer. He said, I'm hit, but I bounce back. I'm struck. But I bounce back. I'm not down. But I well, notice that I don't care what where I'm hit, what angle I'm hit from, how many times I get hit, and it doesn't matter how hard you hit. Even even when you're down, you keep hit. But but for some reason, I'm a I'm gonna hold you there for a while. Stay down. You can't get a shot. I said stay down. I says that even when the enemy tries to get over top of you and count you out, he's right. One, you're going to stay there. Two, you're going to stay there. Absolutely not. Because you have treasure in this earthen vessel. When the enemy's saying, counting you out, Jesus is counting you in. He says, stay down. Jesus says, get up. I don't care what life hits you with. You can bounce back. Divorce hit me. Sickness hit me. Finances hit me. Marriage hit me. Children hit me. Car hit me. Depression hit me. Fear hit me. Discourage hit me. Oh, all these things. I'm more than a conqueror through him that loves me. I will bounce back. Real quickly, sit down. Real quickly. Why? This thing gave some very important instructions. It says in order for this to operate at its maximum, it says the first thing you have to do, it says fill the bottom with water or sand. In other words, if you're going to be a bounce back believer, you got to secure your foundation. The Bible said Jesus is our solid foundation. He's the chief head and cornerstone. My foundation has to be secure on the rock. The old song said, Jesus Christ, the solid rock I stand. Anything else is sinking sand. I'm secure on the rock, which is the word. Do you remember what Matthew 7 said? He said, I liken the wise builder. Watch this. The one who build is wise, who has a strong foundation, is the one who's not just a hearer of the word, but a doer of the word. He said, 
when the storms, not if the storms would come, but when they come, they beat upon that house. The wind blows that house. The floods try to overtake it. It said, but that house will always stand because it's founded on the rock. Let me hurry. They said, after you secure the foundation, see that right there? It says, now it's time to inflate it. One, it says, you can, you can pull the valve, watch this, and inflate it by blowing into it or breathing into it. Filling it with air. Well, the Bible says over in the book of Genesis that God formed man from the dust of the earth. All he had was a form. Good God. Because before this thing got air in it, it just had a form. But it never filled out to what it was supposed to be. Like Adam never filled out to what he was supposed to be until the Bible said, and God breathed his breath into his nostrils and he became a living soul. Breath is spirit. Breath is ruah. He breathed the breath of life. Number one, your foundation has to be secure. And number two, you have to have the life of the spirit of God abiding in you. But see, when he breathes in you, that's at salvation. Because the next, the next thing you got to understand, it says for maximum bounce back. Feel to the greatest capacity. It didn't just say blow in it. It said to fill it up. The Bible said, well, you shall receive power after the Holy Ghost has come upon you. The Bible said to be filled with the Spirit of God. I'm telling you, we're living in a day and time. I'm glad that you're saved and you're blood-bought and born again and you're on your way to heaven. But we're living in a time and a generation. We need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. We need to be filled with the Holy Ghost, with the evidence of speaking in tongues as the Spirit gives us utterance. I'm telling you, before the apostles were filled with the Spirit, they were doubters, they were they were scary they were flaky and fickle but when that power from on high filled their bodies they became strong they became bold they became courageous because they were filled with the spirit but then it says watch this after you're filled i'm almost done they can come to the music matter of fact they said watch this make sure that the valve is shut so it doesn't leak some of y'all, the reason why you having trouble bouncing back because you need to shut your valve. You come in a service like this. You get worship, you get praise, you get presence, you get the word, and you get filled up. But you walk right out of that door with your valve open. That valve of negativity well, it was a good service today, but I don't know. I got to go back to Jimmy. It was a good service today, but that word really, but. And you leave your valve open, your mouth, letting it spew out what God poured in. And you lose your ability to stand because your valve is shut. See, it's open. It's good to have it open. When you're going to receive, I feel it through praise. 
I feel it through worship. I feel it through prayer. I feel it through declaring. But shut the valve of negativity. Shut the valve of murmuring and complaining. Quit talking defeat. Quit saying you ain't going to make it. Quit saying the marriage is done. Quit saying that you won't be healed. Quit saying that your children won't get saved. Shut the valve and start declaring what God has said. I will bounce back in Jesus' name. Last thing is this right here. It says make sure you put it in a secure or safe place. And I thought about that. The Bible said that when Paul was left, they, they stoned Paul. He looked like he was knocked out in Leicester, the book of Acts. They pulled him out and he was left for dead. The Bible said, watch this. The environment that, that, that you're placed in when you're going through a season of being down seemingly is critical because the Bible said they drug him outside of the city and he was left for dead as if he was dead watch this but the Bible said the disciples surrounded him <laughs> and they start praying they start interceding they start encouraging him get up from there you're going to make it and Jesus name rise up you're not done God's not finished with you yet you got a call on your life. You got a ministry to fulfill. God's promise is still intact. Get up. Uh-uh-uh. That's not who you are. That's not what you've been called to be. You're better than that. You're bigger than that. I know they did it, but that's not that's them. Don't you worry about it. keep your eyes on Jesus. And as they're surrounding them, because it's important when you when you're going through some of the hardest times in life, who you surround yourself with. You need to be in an atmosphere of faith builders and not fault finders. I don't need somebody telling me, well, if you and I, I don't need all that. I don't need Job's friends. But what I need is an atmosphere of faith. That's why it's important that you come to the house of God. That's why it's important you get plugged into the ministry. That's why it's important you, you get your kids when they're going, they're in youth. You get people in small groups. You get people in, in, in all the different ministries. You know what those are? Those are atmospheres where people can surround you at the, at the, at the most pivotal times of your life. And you may not have the energy, but the Bible said the strong shall bear the infirmities of the weak. We will bear you up and pray for you so you can get back up on your feet. And be everything that God has called you to be. And today I just stopped by with this little message. Just to stir your faith and remind you. That believers bounce back. You got to secure your foundation. You got to stay full of the spirit of God. You got to keep that valve of negativity shut. And you stay in the company of faith and believers. When things go wrong, don't run away from God. Run to God. Don't run from the church. Run to the church. Get around faith-building people. Because you have called, been called to bounce back as a believer. Do you receive that today? Stand up on your feet. I'm done. Every head bow and every eye close. There's some people right now that are about to bounce back. Life has beat you down and put you down. People, situations, and circumstance have told you that nothing's ever going to get better and nothing's going to change. Life has handed you some tough stuff. Even some of you walked in this morning, you feel that you're just, 
suffocated under the rocks of hardship and struggles but I'm here to tell you that there's a treasure that you can possess in your vessel that can cause you to rise up some of you walk down just like this sin has you in this position right now a relationship not having a relationship with Jesus has you in a position like this notice he's down that's a death position that's a death position sin lifestyle not pleasing to God doing things that you know that you shouldn't be doing but that's why he said I come that you might have life I come so that you didn't have to stay down. I died on the cross. I shed my blood to take you from a down position to an up position and give you life and give you peace and give you joy. And all you have to do is receive it. And it's time for some of you to bounce back and come out of the clutches of the enemy and come into God's plan and purpose for your life. Maybe there's people in here you've backslidden, you've strayed away from God. You weren't even planning to come to the service today, but you came anyway. And God brought you here to hear this word to say, you know what? No more running. No more playing God games. It's time for you to come back. Come back home. This is where you're supposed to be. But every head bow and every eye closed. If you say, Javon, you're talking. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast. We hope you were blessed.